Support for this podcast comes from you. And Biogen, committed to transforming the treatment of neurological disease. Biogen is working to develop life-changing therapies for people with multiple sclerosis, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's, ALS, and spinal muscular atrophy. Biogen.com science. Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. If you were to come across a rare first edition of Shakespeare in a bookstore, it would be 400 years old, kind of falling apart, but you could probably still read it. If you came across a first edition of James Joyce, it'd be about 100 years old, and you could definitely read it. But if I handed you a wax phonograph cylinder that is also about 100 years old, you would have no idea what sort of music or what sort of speech was on it. I've actually come across floppy disks from when I was a kid, and I'm talking about the early floppy disks that you could actually bend in half, and I had no idea how to get any information off them. So I did what you do, and I threw them in the trash. So if you store your writing on a hard drive, or you back up your files in Dropbox, or you save a picture to Facebook, what's going to happen to those things ultimately? Abby Smith-Rumsey is the author of When We Are No More, How Digital Memory is Shaping Our Future. Abby, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. So how much do you worry that people are going to lose Uh, these memories that are really important to them, that they're going to go back in 30 or 40 years looking for baby photos or family photos. And, you know, they took them on their phone or they they burned them to a DVD, and they're just not going to be able to get them back. Well, I do worry that people who are now taking all of their memories and putting them onto hard drives are actually backing them up to something called the cloud, which is nothing they control, let alone own, that they don't understand the risk that they're taking. I do think that it might be just a passing, inevitable phase of our introduction to digital technology. I think that family genealogists who collected letters in the past will grow up knowing that they've got to be preserving not just their photos and their disks, but culling them and also making sure that they're secure over the time with backup and so on. But I think it's a pretty steep learning curve in the next 20 years. Well, and also, you know, I think in some ways people think that, like, photo albums are anachronistic and who needs them anymore? And plus, they can't keep all your photos and stuff. But, I mean, I have photos that my grandmother had in the 1920s, you know, and that's a long time ago. And a lot of their technologies, like, I don't see cars from the 1920s, but because they were printed out, because they're just pieces of paper, I have them. And you have them in part because people decided that they were important and cherished them and somehow let them pass to you in time. Even better, even if they didn't understand the value, they put them somewhere out of harm's way so that you could discover them 80 years later. I mean, this is one of the problems with our technology is that you can't, like a book or a photo album, put it in the dark and just expect to be able to stumble upon it 80 years later and find it and be able to play it back. You know, when you talked about people putting things in the cloud, what's going to happen to all the stuff that people put in the cloud? It's individuals, companies, you know, people write novels and put the drafts in the cloud, all sorts of things, email correspondences, love emails that were really important to them, all these things. They're in the cloud. What's going to happen to all that stuff and who's going to take care of it? Well, in all humility, nobody knows what's going to happen to it. I think unless we start demanding that the companies, we consumers, the users of these products like the cloud, demand some accountability from the services that we use to store this, we actually 
cede a lot of our responsibility and our options for what to do with what is, after all, our own personal information. I don't know what's going to happen to this, but I do know that if we start to actively pursue private-public partnerships, say, with the companies that run these clouds and demand services from them, such as the ability to output our memories onto durable, even even disks, mm. that we get to take care of and take copies of, then I think we have a better chance of at least curating our own personal histories. But right now, we don't. Do you think that the Facebooks and the Amazons of the world have backup plans? Because, I mean, companies don't generally last forever. No, they don't. And I think that they have backup plans for as long as they're able to support them and for which there is a market demand. I certainly hope that Department of Defense has a backup plan for its data Mm -hmm. um, because that's not exactly going to be superseded or they're not going to go out of business. But I think that it's not wise for the public to rely on a private company to have long-term preservation goals. It's not their business. That's what libraries and archives do. And I think if there's no partnership or handoff between private companies that have all this data, like Amazon and Facebook, which you mentioned, and these publicly accountable institutions like libraries and archives, then we don't actually know what's going to happen to them, to the data that they have, even though we think of it as our own data, and we'd like to think that we own it. I know you've worked with the Library of Congress in their efforts to preserve this whole new set of technologies. What have you seen that's most worrying to you in terms of us actually being able to preserve the things that matter to us? I mean, there are some sad cases people have told me. I mean, I'm rather skeptical about using these private platforms like Facebook, but I have certainly known people who, for example, have lost a son or a daughter and have tried to get access to that child's Facebook page or actually put a, you know, hired a company for um, a period of time to put their their wedding photos and also and documents online, a kind of wedding site. Right. And, you know, I worry about people not being not thinking that in 50 years they'll want to hand that stuff to their grandchildren. People just don't have a long-term memory when they're at that age. And so they don't make these long-term plans. The other side of all this is um, something that you write about. Uh, right before Christmas in 1851, a fire ripped through the Library of Congress and burned uh, more than 35,000 books. So are we in a better position? You know, even though we talked about Shakespeare and those early editions and how great it is that it's on paper and we can still read it after 400 years, there's a lot that can happen to paper. And I wonder, are we actually, in some ways, despite our growing pains with digital stuff, moving into a good direction of not having all this flammable stuff all over the place? Well, yes and no. I mean, if we really care that much about fire, we would still be writing cuneiforms on clay tablets because they do really well on yeah, fire. You know, they get. Right. <laughs> um, but in fact, they can keep very little information. Look, I think that digital technologies have just just begun to uncover the most extraordinary amount of human potential, things that both frighten us and please us. So I don't take any of the losses in the first couple generations of digital technology as anything more than learning curves, Mm -hmm. very steep. Just like I think the abuse of social media nowadays is something that we almost had to learn only by experience because although people warned us about this, there's no way that we can understand the full power of social media without using it and abusing it to its full extent. Mm -hmm. You know, there were terrible abuses of the print 
in the beginning, in the first hundred years, and even more after the invention of printing, uh, of movable type. But I think over time, people start to understand what is good and bad behavior. I mean, my violation of your data rights leads you to violate my data rights, my Mm -hmm. data privacy. And eventually, people will rise up and begin to demand some social norms and legal norms about how we behave. And some of that will be demanding that certain things like government records be permanently available to people into the future, as paper records have been. Abby Smith-Rumsey is the former director of the Scholarly Communication Institute at the University of Virginia. She's the author of When We Are No More, How Digital Memory is Shaping Our Future. Abby, thank you. Thank you. It was a delight. If you do want to make sure that your blog isn't lost to history, here's what Rumsey recommends. Upload it to the Internet Archive, which is at archive.org.